Welcome to Red Blooded Outdoors. You got your host here, Cornbread, on the other side. Coney, what in the world are you doing? What it is. Got the co-host, Coney. Coney, I got a special guest today that I hope, which I didn't talk to him about this, but for all y'all listeners, Coney has a phobia of yellow jackets. Yeah, I do not. I'm very scared since of yellow he's jackets. Been a, since he's been a baby, Coney, uh... He is scared to death of yellow jackets. Oh, yeah. So I talked to an individual who is a public health extension specialist for UGA. His name's Elmer Gray. We've got him remotely by phone call. How you doing, Elmer? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? We're doing good. Where, where exactly are you located today? I am in my office in Athens, Georgia. Okay, right there at UGA. I am at UGA at Riverbend Research Laboratories North on College Station, just off the edge of campus. Good deal. It's really good to talk to you, Elmer. Why, could you tell me and Cooney and the people uh, what it is you got going on there at UGA? Tell us a little bit about yourself, too. Okay, well, uh, my name is Elmer Gray. I got a master's degree in entomology. Been working in entomology for about 36 years now, so I'm kind of a working guy. I uh, have been fortunate to be at the University of Georgia for 22 years doing public health extension work. And then we do research for black flies, which are gnats that come out of rivers and streams as well. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm an outdoorsman myself. So so I've been bitten and stung by most of everything that's commonly out there. And I uh, don't like any of them to speak of. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't blame <laughs> you myself. The... Uh, was you all now entomology correct me if i'm wrong that is this, entomology is the study of insects okay that was that something you was interested in since you was a kid i mean was you was you one of the kids with the magnifying glass you know burning the ink no heel? sir okay no sir i was not that kid i grew up a hunter and um uh, got my my bachelor's degrees in wildlife management from clemson university and as I was graduating in wildlife management, <clears throat> I had a, learned of a professor in medical and veterinary entomology who was looking for a technician. And I was like, wildlife biology, medical and veterinary entomology, that's close enough. And off I went, and I got a master's degree in entomology while I was working for him and have been doing it ever since, and it's worked out really good. Good deal, good deal. So the UGA uh, Cooperative Extension – that is, y'all translate science for farmers, families. What, yeah, this, so, so the Cooperative Extension Service, we kind of bridge the gap between the researchers on campus and the real people out there doing the work. Okay. And we try to bring the information from the, from the researchers, break it down to understandable and useful parts of it that will help the regular folks do their jobs better make better livings, deal with pests more more efficiently, things like right. that. Is it, is it, I mean, it, do y'all have a lot of people that come to you? Uh, I know that for myself, the only the only dealings I'd ever had with the extension myself was through topsoil samples. Do y'all have, I mean, what is the, the total scope? Is there a lot of people that come to y'all? Or? Yeah, it's, it's a, a pretty large scope. They're covering everything from all of the agricultural crops in South Georgia to urban entomology in the city to everything in between. So 
um, all the turf grass and, and horticulture, dealing with plants. And, um, the poultry industry has a lot of extension work done with it. So, so we, we kind of bridge all the gaps to um, everyone, everyone out there and try to just bring the, the useful information out to the public. Okay. University. Well, good deal. I, uh, I had talked with Elmer yesterday, Coney, and uh, me and Coney had been turkey hunting at a piece of property we have permission to hunt in Cedar Town. Yep. And uh, we was getting tired of getting eat up by mosquitoes. Oh, yeah. They was bad out there. You couldn't stop for five minutes, and you was just getting all ate up. So, so we said, we have got to figure out. Why in the world there are so many mosquitoes out here? And we said, well, we need to we need to talk to somebody that knows more about it than us. And we may have very simply looked over the obvious of standing water. So we got to looking, and uh, we was led to talk to Mr. Elmer Gray. Now, that piece of property, Elmer, is about 100-something acres. I don't know how familiar with Cedartown you are. It's close to the airport. Uh, and we did get a lot of rain, and we usually keep a couple of uh, when they did the grading there, it was going to be a subdivision, recession come, no longer a subdivision. There's some uh, makeshift retention ponds that I don't feel that they held any more water this year than what they normally do. Do you, Coney? No, that, that's about the same. I mean, so, that, the one at the front was probably a little bit higher because of, uh, like, we had the tornado and stuff come through this year. Right, that went right. through Cedar Town. Which, so. which we did get a lot more rain, I think, than usual. Yeah. It, you want to talk a little bit about some mosquitoes, Elmer, and may, is is there ever a like a perfect situation for there to be all of a sudden so many more mosquitoes? And can you talk about mosquitoes in general? Yes. So mosquitoes are probably our most important public health pests. They transmit a lot of diseases, and like you guys know, they're they're pests when they're around our homes or in the woods, turkey hunting, and everywhere in between. Um, the, the larvae, the, the immature stages of the mosquitoes, develop in standing water. The eggs are either laid on the mud beside the river or in the edge of the swamp, and then when it floods, those eggs hatch, or the eggs are laid on the water surface. Um, the different species will do different things. We've got 63 species of mosquitoes in Georgia. So they, they, they take, they've capitalized on every type of standing water that's out there. Uh, these retention ponds you mentioned could be contributing to your problem okay uh, i was over in augusta just yesterday working with the mosquito people over there and that's one of the main things they deal with around the city of augusta are retention ponds that don't get maintained right so that's one thing but the fact that you know it, it was a wet winter we had it was wet last year for the most part wet winter and then we had a lot of rain that area that northwest corner of the state the storms kind of trained over it for a couple weeks there i recall right and if you put a bunch of water in the woods in these retention ponds right there before it turns warm you you may have had a you know kind of a localized conditions that made for really bad mosquitoes there in your area okay but no matter the case as it's getting hot now we're really moving towards mosquito season around our homes and i want to talk about that for a minute we need people need to be really diligent about getting rid of standing water around their homes whether it's buckets and tires the gutters on our houses need to drain the, the downspout pipes need to drain um any place that water will lay can produce mosquitoes kids toys you don't think about that 
the trays under your plants on your deck uh, so any place water will lay we need to dump it out because it's getting hot now when the temperatures get warm at night the mosquitoes really start growing fast because the water stays warm you know in, in the spring when the temperatures cool off at night the water temperatures don't have a chance to get heated up as much but now that the temperatures are staying warmer at night that water will stay warmer the mosquitoes grow fast the temperature and the amount of food is what limits how fast the mosquitoes will grow um so so when it gets warm the mosquitoes grow faster and that'll take place through the whole summer and then it just depends whether it's wet or dry how much water we have for larval habitats but so i really want people to remember that and focus on on getting rid of those standing water around their homes as we go into the summer season that's really important as to how do you you know you're out there turkey hunting you want to use a mosquito repellent that's approved by the environmental protection agency i don't want you to be using no garlic or bananas or any of that stuff the the the, the real repellents are safe you, you put them on your skin rub them on lightly um they work they've been tested to prove that they work and then when you're done you wash your skin off and don't worry and, and, and you're going to be fine many of the insect repellents are approved for babies down to two months of age oh wow so even, Co- even cooney's going to be good with it. <laughs> there, there you go <laughs> so uh, let's say you you mentioned those retention ponds is is there something that just today i googled uh in preparation for this uh mosquito um services in my area and the list was substantial is there something you could put in somewhere that you know you're going to have an issue with standing water something me as a homeowner let's say i've got a drainage in my backyard and i don't have the resources to get it drained and i know i'm going to have an issue with standing water is there any type of tablet is there anything that i can do yes i was in a feed and seed store this afternoon and many of them, and Lowe's and, and Home Depot will have them too, are these things called mosquito dunks. They're about the size of a small donut, and the active ingredient is Bacillus thuringiensis. This is a, a bacteria that when it sporulates, it produces proteins, and when mosquitoes and black flies ingest these proteins, it ruptures their gut lining and causes mortality. So they're safe. They don't hurt the fish. They don't hurt your animals. Your dog could eat them not going to hurt them but they kill mosquitoes really the, the larval mosquito stage really good right. so mosquito larvae are commonly called wigglers they, they they'll breathe at the water surface and then when you disturb them or they you cast a shadow over a rain barrel or something they're going to move down into the water column if you see those wigglers in the water and and most standing water will have them you can put these mosquito dunks in there i think each donut We'll do like 100 square feet, 10 by 10. So you could break them up into quarter-sized pieces and pitch them out and, and and spread them around some. And they're going to work for about a month at a time. Okay. So so I don't know. Usually retention ponds don't have that much standing water in them. Right. So, so that would be something that works very good. They're not that expensive. And you could treat them once a month, and that might help you out some. Okay. Good deal. Now – mosquitoes uh we're in georgia throughout the rest of the country is it is it is it something that is more prevalent i mean i know mosquitoes are all over the country but 
are we in the hot zone is is it better up north or i mean it, it, and is the is the repellents is the you know how like the cities they have the trucks going around in the morning spraying the pesticides i mean is that something that has to be done the same everywhere no um some areas are definitely worse than others for mosquitoes typically you know the hilly areas are not going to be as bad as the flatter areas where there's more larger areas of standing water south georgia's got a lot of bad mosquitoes the coasts always have a lot more mosquitoes along the salt marshes there's species of mosquitoes that like the salt marsh areas and the numbers can be just tremendous along the salt marshes mosquito control was started on the coast of new jersey the salt marshes there florida is probably the world's foremost mosquito control area because they have a long growing season they have lots of water most years and they have the resources they've got a big tourism industry so they've got money to put into it 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 costs money to do mosquito control um but it's done all around the country and all around the world um but the areas that the flatter the areas with more standing water uh the worse and more persistent it is they're around cedar town where it's kind of hilly you know, there should be less places for them to be, so you should be able to kind of figure out where they are and how you might could keep the populations down a little better. Okay, good deal. So with mosquitoes, not not only are they aggravating, and when they bite, you know, you get a, get you a bump, Cooney. Yeah. But the thing is, correct me if I'm wrong, Elmer, the main thing is, is the diseases they spread. Yes, mosquitoes are the, are the, are the worst uh, they call them vectors, where they transmit these disease pathogens, whether it's a virus. You know, we've been dealing with this coronavirus, but right. there's other viruses out there that mosquitoes transmit. Mosquitoes don't transmit coronavirus. Right. But the West Nile virus, they transmit, and, and many others. So, uh, But the worst thing mosquitoes do is they transmit malaria. Now, thankfully, we've gotten, they've, they've eradicated a malaria in the United States. But in Africa and Asia and many places, malaria is still a big problem, and it kills over 400,000 people a year. Mm. So malaria is bad stuff. Mosquitoes, you know, you, th- you think of sharks are the worst, the most deadliest animal or right. snakes, but mosquitoes are the most deadly animal for the diseases that they transmit. Wow. So I've they, never, they I've... Kill the, about a million people die of mosquito-borne diseases every year. I've, I've never even thought of it like that but i can definitely see that yep yep we're fortunate here in georgia we deal with west nile virus and that that can be bad and if uh people you know if someone has a weak immune system it can really mess them up and it and it takes a long time to recover from anything that causes encephalitis which is inflammation of the lining of the brain that's bad stuff right you don't you don't want the lining Cooney's brain to get hot, and get inflamed, and get messed up because he won't be any smarter than he already is. Well, I think there's already something going on with Cooney's brain. I, I haven't been able to figure it out for 17 years, but we don't want. So we don't want to pick on Cooney too much today. No, I, well, he's used to it. Uh, so as as I was thinking about uh, your profession. I'm sure you have debunked some myths. Uh, you're well-educated, researching. Is the, ever since I was a kid, 
Oh, we didn't have a cold enough winter. The bugs are going to be awful. Oh, we've got a cold winter this year. It's got down below 20 such and such time. The, they won't be that many bugs. Is that is that a true statement? Not really. Um, mosquitoes have been around for like a million years. They fed on the dinosaurs. They were feeding on stuff before the dinosaurs. And they've got them in amber where they can test this. So that's so they they're, they're just adapted. They're highly adapted. So right. yes, if it warms up and the insects start growing, and then we have that late frost in in, in April that kills the, the tree leaves and, and kills all the peaches, well, that might will kill some insects because they weren't used to it. Right. But as but most insects, you know, they're adapted to winter and they're gonna cool off and they overwinter as eggs or they they as it gets colder the insects squeeze the the water out of their their hemolymph their blood so it's kind of like antifreeze so they don't have hardly any h2o any water in their blood so they don't freeze and and, and, and rupture them that way so they're very adapted to, to that and I, I run into this to a lot you know as a cold winter as a warm winter Warm winters are particularly bad because it lets them get started earlier in the spring so they get more cycles. Right. But um, this year, you know, it was kind of cool through the fall, through the uh, spring. So so the mosquito populations haven't really taken off yet. Okay. They're just about ready to. So, so, so um, you know, as far, as far as wives' tails, things like that, you know, I, I really want people to use real insect repellents. Right. Don't, don't fall for garlic's not going to work it doesn't work it's when you test it um it doesn't work as good as deep well, deep what, is like the best going so so uh, i did i did see uh and i didn't write the plants down i think it's citronella yes uh and there's two more do, do those i mean are those even com I, I imagine they're probably not comparable but what's your opinion on that Citronella doesn't work as good as it's 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 um, advertised. Right. Uh, but lemon oil of lemon eucalyptus is an EPA approved repellent and it works very good. Okay. Okay. So oil of lemon eucalyptus. If people want to use a biological material, they don't want to use a chemical. Well, this is you know it's kind of synthesized from from a plant. Um, it's more natural than some of the others, so that's a good one. Uh, from that standpoint, and, it, and it's it's very effective. Okay. Uh, so that's that's something there. Coney, you had a question on how mosquitoes feed. Yeah. So do mosquitoes only feed on like the blood of stuff, or do they feed on other things? Good question. Only the female mosquito bites, but both male and female mosquitoes will feed on um, the sugars from plants. Nectar from plants, things like honeydew, things like that. So, so they will feed on sugary materials uh, for flight energy, and then the female mosquito needs a blood meal to produce her eggs, the proteins to produce her eggs. So usually it's the females that do the biting for most of the biting flies. Okay, okay. good. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. They're attracted to the carbon dioxide in our breath. Really? Everyone, you huh. know, one of the big questions I get is, oh, they're real attracted to me. They don't bother someone else. Well, we all put off a lot of scents off of our skin. And so they're attracted to, to different chemicals that we put off. But the carbon dioxide in our breath of all animals 
is really attractive to, to the biting flies and to mosquitoes. So that right. kind of draws them in. Dark colors, they can pick out the silhouette in the environment. So a black cow or, or dressed in a black dark color shirt, you're going to be more attractive. Light-colored, loose-fitting clothing is something that we recommend people use. Light colors, you don't have as much of a heat signature. You don't, you're, you know, you don't get as hot, and you don't stand out in the environment as much. So they're not going to be able to find you as easily. I, I feel like I've been under a rock. I mean, why, yeah, why did really? I not know that? If I'd have known that, I would have just only wore white for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, you mentioned Elmer a while ago, South Georgia, and we have hunted a great bit a great bit in south georgia to me everything's bigger and meaner in south georgia uh anyway i've hunted on Ball island as well a few times and the gnats on Ball island are ridiculous and <laughs> and is that gnats that i that i'm dealing with over there because you know that's what you hear they're the gnats uh can you talk about that gnat line that's in georgia a little bit. Well, yeah, gnats, when, when we say gnats, that's a, a general term that's used in a, and is used for a lot of different tiny flies. So so a gnat is a small fly, and, and when we say gnats, it could be a variety of different small flies. Okay. Now, South Georgia has a couple in particular. They have the noceums, uh, which Osceola Island probably had them bad, Uh and the larvae develop into mud around the marshes. They develop into mud in, in the saturated soils around freshwater swamps, too. So we can have them here in the upstate. We just don't have them as bad as they do okay. around the salt marshes in South Georgia. So the noceums, really bad. Right. Again, light-colored, loose-fitting clothes. You know, there's all this breathable fabric we have now, the uh, dry plus, things like that. That's really good. You know, right. as an outdoorsman, I know it's hot out there, and we do work, and we and we get hot. Right. But um, the light, the, the the dry vented clothing, that's going to help a little bit. You know, now they got stuff to protect you from the sun, so you don't get sunburned too. Right. So all that stuff is just it's going to provide a barrier, and then you don't have to use as much repellent. You can put repellent on your hands and around your neck and face, and you're going to be better off. Right. Um, they have other gnats in South Georgia as well, the eye gnats. Uh, that are getting around your face. Again, those larvae are developing in the wet fields and um, really hard to control. We can't. There's nothing we can use to treat the soil anymore uh, to control those insects. And, and you don't want to. I mean, you, when you're treating soil for insects, you're, you're really having to. You do a lot of damage to other things in the environment. Right. So, is, is there uh, any is there any worries on any diseases from gnats? Uh, no, they the, the eye gnats don't transmit it. They, they might transmit pink eye to some of the animals, uh, for, to livestock, but they don't transmit any any viruses. You know, any any anything like West Nile virus or anything oh, like that. Okay, so we're good there. Um, the ticks are the one of the ones that we got to watch out for. We haven't got to ticks yet. Right. Yeah, that they're is. Across, they're across the state, and ticks are bad news now. Um. When I was a young man like Cooney, I would have never walked around with my pants tucked in my socks. Right. But but ticks now, one of the things they found that they transmit is this red meat. They'll cause a red meat allergy. Right, yeah. It's a sugar that they, they inject with their saliva 
and if you're if you're unlucky enough, you may become allergic to that sugar, and when you eat red meat, you develop hives and things like that. So you so you have to stop eating and, your hamburger. Correct me if I'm wrong. That a lot of people that contract that don't know it until they eat the red meat, and uh, then all of a sudden they're breaking out or having to go to the ER. Is that, and I mean, that's correct. That's correct. And, you, and it's not an instantaneous. You know, you can eat the meat now, and then two or three hours later, you start having hives, and it takes you a while to figure out what's going on. Right, right. So, but the way to avoid that is to avoid tick bites. The Lone Star tick, it's got a white spot on its back. It's real, crom- real common across Georgia, uh, is one of the ones that's involved with this. So, if you tuck your, your camo, your pants into your socks, the ticks stay on the outside of your legs. It's best to tuck your shirt into your pants, and then you can spray the repellent permethrin, which is the insecticide that we use on a lot of different things, permethrin. You can use it as a repellent. There's re- They sell it as a repellent formulation, and you can spray that on your clothes. It's not to be used on your skin, but you can put it on your camos, spray your pant legs, your socks down to your feet, spray your waist. And that'll go a long ways to keeping ticks off you when you're outdoors. Especially yeah. when you're doing your turkey hunting, you're yeah. getting down in the brush, hiding, you know, sitting on the ground. Um, this so was, that's really important. This was the Use first year. This is the first year we used the permethrin. Yep. And highly uh, recommend it. Sp- out, and, and, it's, and it'll keep the chiggers off you too. The same right. technique. I, now, for hikers, people are out going out hiking in the state parks and stuff. You want to avoid having grass brushing up against your legs. You know, you may not be using as much insect repellent, but the ticks will be out on the edge of the edge of the grass or the vegetation, waiting for a deer or something to walk by, and they're going to get on you. So, so I have uh, a couple trails by my house. I keep them cut down low. You don't want to, you know, that way you, you can't really spray insecticide everywhere along all your trails. You're not going to do it in the parks. Right. If you keep the vegetation down so nothing's brushing against your legs, that's going to go a long ways to keeping the ticks off you as well. Right. Yeah, we used that permethrin for the first time this year, and the evening before opening day, I sprayed my clothes down yep. and uh, let it dry. Did did as the bottle instructed, and for all of turkey season, I got two ticks off of me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and, we definitely didn't get as many ticks also as this year. And that, year. the difference between not using that for my entire life and using it was day and night. Because, <laughs> I mean, I would come, and and for a male, not to get sideways here, but for a male, there's one place a tick always likes to go. And anytime, anytime we get home, it's straight to the shire tick check. I felt yep. confident after using that permethrin. We still done it. But after what it did this year, I felt confident that I was all right if I didn't check for two or three hours. I was amazed with how well that stuff worked. Yep. Well, tuck your tuck your pants down into your socks. Keep your keep your shirt tucked in. That keeps them on the outside, and that's also going to help. So that so there's that. Um, I had something else I was going to say, and it's, it slipped my mind there when you made that comment. Right. Uh, uh, the chiggers are another thing, you know, um, like to get in, in tight spaces. So they'll get behind your socks, around the waistline of your, your under drawers. Um, they don't burrow into your skin. There's one of those ones that, you know, people right. 
Oh, the trigger's burrowed into my skin. Yeah, no, I was, that's that, they I don't was, do that. I was going to ask you about that. You know, little put fingernail polish. You got to smother them, and they'll they'll try to come out, or put oatmeal or Vaseline on them, and they'll try yeah, to come out. There's some there's some some things there that people try. Um, the thing with the the triggers is they're tiny. It's the larval stage of a mite, and they they get at the hair follicle. And, and apparently we have violent reactions to their their saliva, so we have a it makes a welt, so it makes it look like the ticket or the the trigger is embedded, but really right. they're at a hair follicle. They got real tiny mouth parts, so it's it, it's it's kind of an optical illusion. But right. the triggers do not burrow into your skin. Oftentimes that that nail polish, and I've used it, it feels good because it kind of um, the alcohol in it will soothe that that irritated skin so you okay. get some status it feels better than it does most of the time when you when, when you do that tick check and you you wash off good when you come in you wash those chiggers off okay uh, right. so, so they're pretty quick to be removed and, and scrubbing your ankles and waistline will help to uh keep them down and, and remove them when you take that first shower right uh after you after you come back in the house i, I know a couple of years ago i got uh a tick on my stomach and removed it and uh, it ended up getting infected i had to take a show enough antibiotic to get rid of that infection and uh, real quick a, a story that is uh that i know it wasn't caused by the tick but because i had a niece uh who went turkey hunting with me and she got bit by a tick and didn't notice it for a couple of days later and they removed the tick well they left the head in unknowingly uh ended up having to go to the er because the the sore itself got infected of course they removed everything they did and because her and i don't know all the scientific terms that go along with it but because her immune system went to fighting that they had found out that she had a type of skin cancer because it showed itself because the infection from the tick bite was so bad that that skin cancer showed itself you hmm. see what i'm saying but yeah, that, yeah. it wasn't caused from the tick yeah i don't right. want people no, to no. get confused but because her immune system i mean this thing got really infected that's another thing i was getting at is as a kid oh you got a tick on you heat this needle up and touch this needle on the tick uh that's not the proper way to remove the tick could you talk a little bit about that yeah yeah no that's that's not not a good thing to do we did some crazy stuff when we were young back in the day right absolutely <laughs> and, and doing that was one of them uh you want to grab the tick as close as you can to the skin with with pointed forceps and gently pull it straight away from the skin to try to get the mouth parts out when, when right. you get the tick off so so as close to the skin as possible with fine tip forceps and pull straight away from the skin and then wash that site good with hot soapy water maybe a little bit of neosporin or alcohol on it as well because this is what you want to do oftentimes those tick bites can get infected and uh, cause a lot of trouble it sounds like you've got two examples of that so, right right um, any of the bites whether it's ticks or chiggers or stings um, wash the site good with, with with hot soapy water to try to keep it clean and not introduce um 
other stuff into that wound where the skin's been broken. Okay. Uh, one let's more. talk about yellow jackets. Yeah. Cooney likes them so much. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Okay. I don't like yellow jackets either. I run into them pretty regularly in the fall. So, so they their their populations grow as the summer goes on. They stood the uh, a one queen starts a nest in the spring. They like to go into you know old kind old animal burrows, some kind of softer hole in the ground, and then they excavate it and build their nest from there. So they're not going to be out in the middle of your yard where it's packed down clay. They're going to be around the edges. I run into them fairly commonly uh i got a little food plot behind my house i mow it by hand and inevitably i i can run into them back there so you know it's a always a surprise when that first one gets you and i'm sure it's you'd be quite humorous to see you know running and swatting at the same time um but you know oftentimes when the first one stings you you've got other ones already on your skin or on your clothes that you're brushing off trying to get off you Right. Fortunately, the yellow jackets won't really chase you. They're not like Africanized bees, where they're going to follow you off a great distance. Right. You know, I found that I can. I'm pretty slow, but I can still get away from the yellow jackets within thirty or forty yards. Right. So, um, so that's the big thing there. Um, you know, people can have allergic reactions to to the stings, no matter what kind of uh, wasp or bee it is. Right. So it's important. You know, it's very common to, you know, if you get stung on the hand, for your hand to swell up a little bit. But if you get stung on your hand and your whole arm swells up, you should go to your doctor and talk about that. I just did some studying up, and we just did a training session for pest management people. And um, if you if you have a severe reaction like that, you're might more you have a higher chance of developing a severe reaction the next time you get stung and really? going into the anaphylactic shock. And that can kill you. So right. avoid that at all. It, it's it's common to have a little swelling. The venom that they inject into you um, causes your your capillaries to, to uh, dilate. So the blood and the fluids in your system kind of go to your hand. If you get stung in the hand, and it'll make it swell up. That's common. It'll usually go away. Ice, antihistamines, Benadryl, something like that will help um, calm it down. So, well, the um, um, I've heard. All right, so you got a yellow jacket's nest in your yard. What right back to the kid thing? I've always seen people pouring gas in a yellow jacket's nest. Yeah, I mean, dude, I mean, I mean, I mean, let's let's not try to do that. Um, <laughs> first off, you know that, that the yellow jackets are actually good from the standpoint. Cooney's never going to believe this, but. They, they, they feed on other, you know, they, they go out and capture um, uh, caterpillars and stuff like that. So they're actually, if, if it's a place where there's no one going to get bothered by them, they're okay to just leave alone. Right, they're gonna, it's right. gonna, the nest is going to die off when it frosts, and it won't be there. Chances are it won't be there next year. Now, if it's in an area where there's kids around or the wife is going to get stung and you need to get rid of them, the better thing to do would be to wait till just before dark, assuming that you don't have severe reactions to bee stings. Wait before dark and get one of those spray cans that'll spray 20 feet and get over close to it and really soak it down. And then you may have to do it again 
Um, you know, the, the they're going to be back in there at night, and then they go out during the day to forage and find right. stuff. Right. Um, most of the time, the yellow jackets, you know, they won't bother you if you're out. Like, you know, when you get a deer in October, oftentimes, sometimes a yellow jacket will show up if you're skinning it, cutting up meat or something. And that individual yellow jacket's not going to bother you. It's when you disturb that nest, they're protecting the the hive and the brood, uh, much like a like bees will do as right. well. Honeybee would do. So, uh, okay. if you got a nest, if you can leave it alone, leave it. If you got to get rid of it, make sure you're not one of those people who are, are allergic to these things very bad, and, and try to uh, do it right before dark. They say dust will work too. You know, you eject like seven dust down in there. Okay. Apparently, they'll carry it around and move it around the nest right. and, and get rid of them that way. But you got to be careful. You know, gas is going to kill an insect. So, so yeah, yeah, that would that that well, would I'm, kill. Well, th- there's but, other ramifications for pouring gas in the yeah, ground. Yeah, let's ground. let's not do that. I mean, it's going to kill know. the worms. It's going to kill anything that's. Around yeah, now. it's just it, there's bad things can happen there. The right. gas vapors, you know, someone, um, right. you, you know, how that is lighting gas on fire. You got to right. be careful about that. All right. right. So we went to Cahuta Wilderness one time hunting, and we were setting up camp, and there was a yellow jacket's nest in a tree, but there was hornets attacking the yellow jacket's nest. Yeah, we we seen, and I, that may be another thing. As a kid, I heard. They were called Japanese hornets, but I don't think those are the real names for them. But it's a hornet that appeared to be about an inch long. And these yellow jackets, I don't know if their nest was in there, but they were coming out of this hole. A hornet would grab one and and bite bite its its head head off. off. Bite its head off and drop him. And it was like a a battle between these two hornets. And these these yellow jackets coming out this hole didn't have nothing for them. Uh, have you ever seen anything? I mean, is that? Is, I, I have not seen that. Seems like I've heard some, a similar story. Um, there is a European hornet that is is the biggest social insect. It's all going to be almost inch long. They're not typically real aggressive. They build a nest similar to those, you know, ones the size of a football that are in the, in the you'll see occasionally over rivers and places. Um, and they could be there could be some kind of interaction there if they found out you know if the, if the nests were closely associated right. and once they got some alarm pheromones going they may would uh draw each, right. each other's workers together and have a have a, a settling like that um usually the yellow jackets that were common are in the ground and then the bald-faced hornet they call them is in those kind of white light gray tannish nests the size of a football or something right. that are in the tree and basically they're just the area it's a it's a type of yellow jacket that nests in trees the bald-faced hornet is actually a, a type of yellow jacket right but those those are bad dudes uh, i got stung in the head one time and man you talk about hurt it feels like it's driving a rock bar in your arm yeah yeah right, right. someone hits, hits you with a hammer or something it's right. it's you know, the, a regular yellow jacket sting, yeah, that that's – some of them are worse than others. And if you run real quick, you know, they're not horrible. Right. But some of these other wasps and stuff can be a, even more painful. Right. So talking about those hornets making those nests, this might be on the, on the myth list there. I've heard, you know, Jim Bob, Jim Bob got a, 
a nest one winter and took it to his house and put it up as decoration and when he lit the fireplace the house warmed up and the hornets come out and it was just the most awfulest thing in the world have, have you i'm sure you've heard that right you bet I've, uh, <laughs> I've heard you better put it in a trash bag and leave it in the in the garage for two months and if you hear anything hitting inside the trash bag the hornets are trying to come out just let them die yeah, well, well, Jim Bob cut the hornet's nest down too early. That's what happened. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you got to wait till you know you want to wait wait till you get a couple frosts and right. then it gets on into the cooler season. You know, if if you cut it down too soon, then then yes, they could still be in there. Most insects aren't active under fifty degrees. Okay, so that doesn't mean they're going to be dead. Right. So yeah, that that could happen. That story's plausible that that you could do that okay um so so putting it in a garbage bag putting it in the freezer for a little while if you want to use it as a decoration right you know, if you free it froze it for a day or two you're going to be good usually those nests go empty certainly you know by first of november they're usually empty and they're still in good shape if you wanted to collect one for a, a you know a, a talking point um but then they break down pretty quick. By Thanksgiving, they're starting to deteriorate. Why? Why do they make them over water? Uh, you know, I asked one of my buddies that this week. A guy smarter than me, and uh, they seem to be to to uh, make it hard to be accessible. So, so that stuff, so that bears and other animals can't get to them. Okay, and they're trying to protect their brood. They've got their eggs and larvae are in that nest. And they don't want stuff to get to it. Right. The whole painful sting is based around the, that they use that to protect their their young. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's hard that makes it harder to access. Um, certainly, there's a, cer- a certain amount of moisture that's needed to. They're kind of chewing up wood fibers and then spitting it out and forming it into that nest. So they need moisture for that. But you'll see them other places than than over the rivers and streams. Too. Right. Okay. But you notice them, you know, when when the leaves fall, it's like, wow, I didn't know that nest was there. Right. Uh, yeah. So so it's kind of interesting how that happens sometimes. Scorpions. Uh, that I know when me and you talked yesterday, I think you said you hadn't been stung by a scorpion, neither have I. I have not. Um, is that similar to a bee sting? I've heard that that's really really painful. Um. I don't think they're too bad, from what I understand. Now, now, scorpions here in the southeast are very common. There's a lot more of them out there than you would ever imagine, but they're under stuff out in the woods. One place I see them is is uh, I'll recycle cardboard at home, and I put it be- laid on the ground behind the garbage cans, and then once a month or something, I'll pick it up and take it to the recycling place. And uh, if it rains on it and the termites get up in it, the scorpions will be right there with them because the scorpions eat soft-bodied insects, so they okay. like termites. Okay. So if you want to collect scorpions, you can put some cardboard down in the edge of the woods, and within short time, there'll be a couple in there. Supposedly, it's, it's like a bee sting. Um, they're not real aggressive, um, so, th- so they're not too much of a problem. It's a different species of scorpion out in the southwest that has a uh, very, very venomous sting okay but we don't have that here it's more like a bee sting it's not supposed to be too bad right there's a lot more of them out there than people realize okay so you know this year in the news or in georgia uh one of the big things is supposed to be 
the cicadas. I mean, it's supposed to be like everything I've seen is supposed to be like a plague. I've yet yeah. to even see one. Are they not down? You know, so we're about 40 miles from Atlanta on the west side yeah, of the state. Yeah, they're more up in uh, kind of the northeast corner of the state. You guys probably won't see them there. Supposedly okay. there's only a few counties up there, Gilmore County and uh, up above Helen. I'm not sure which counties it is. Okay. So the, there's uh, an insect called a cicada killer, and does, it can yep. sting? That's a big wasp, a big solitary wasp that's going to sting a cicada paralyze it take it to its hole and they'll cram them down into a hole in the ground lay their eggs in them and that's where the their young will develop in the will eat the cicadas so it's pretty pretty unique thing i've I've seen pictures where they dug up the holes and there'll be five or six cicadas there's a bunch of different kinds of cicadas so that you know every year there's some that are out there so we, we there's cicadas every summer but there's a couple of these different brews like this one that they're talking about this year comes off every 17 years so the larvae are down in the ground at the base of the trees and apparently it just takes a very long time for them to go through their cycle and they will emerge this spring and i think it's ongoing now between north georgia and up towards maryland heading up that way more kind of on the west side of the mountains uh, than out to the east here is what I what I was told. Okay, so, the, so more towards up West Virginia and up that way, up up uh, Highway eighty one, mm-hmm. the inner inner road going up. I don't uh, I don't know if I've ever even noticed a cicada killer. I mean it. Uh, I know we, you wouldn't hardly because they're going to fly down low around the ground and they're not really. Um, occasionally they'll get in flower beds and in certain places they freak people out because they're a big wasp or, but. They, they're not aggressive. They don't go after people. They're individuals. They don't want to sting people. They just want to get get their prey and um, do their thing. So they're not usually a problem for people. Right. What, what kind of like the mud daubers. That mud dauber that makes that tube in your garage on your toolbox. Yeah, it looks like an organ. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a small wasp. They're catching spiders and putting spiders in there to feed their young. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? What what do you feel, Elmer, is the most overlooked potential for being stung, bit? I mean, I know there's some. It, I think there's three poisonous caterpillars. Am I wrong? Or maybe there's a couple caterpillars that um, have spines and hairs, and when they break off, there's like venom at the base of that that'll get on you. Um, you know, I don't, I'm most overlooked. I think this thing with the ticks is really really important right um you know in the northeast they're having a lot of problems with lyme disease uh we don't have near as much lyme disease down here in georgia because some of the the ticks that transmit it feed on lizards really they don't have lizards up north so the the ticks up there feed on mice and it builds the cycle up down here the ticks feed a lot of the larval stage the first stage of the tick will be on lizards and they don't the bacteria doesn't develop in lizards and the cycle doesn't get going okay so we're fortunate but there's been uh, the longhorn tick has been introduced in the northeast so ticks ticks are bad deal that red that red meat allergy is a real thing and um could really disappoint a meat eater right um uh, so 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 being aware of ticks you know keeping stuff cleaned up around our homes uh getting rid of the standing water 
You don't want to have, you know, you don't want the firewood pile too close to the back door. Keep it away. Stuff's going to be in there, whether it's your, your your scorpions or, you know, other other insects. Um, just being smart, you know, trying to be a little smarter, keeping things clean around the house, keeping the brush cut down. None of the insects like sunlight, so it dries them out. So right. keeping stuff clean will go a long ways and sealed tight. Keep your screens and doors you know, sealed tight um, will go a long ways to keeping the bugs outside where, where they right. want to keep. I had a couple of uh, real quick questions for you here. The uh, in your studies research, what 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 is looked in? I know a lot of insects are very social, um, but how much is studied in the thought process of an insect? And what made me think about that? is because it seems like a tick, a mosquito, a yellow jacket, even if they're not aggressive, they're not looking at, the, oh, this huge, humongous thing that is flicking at me as a threat. It, it's not a, I got to get out of here, I'm going to die. Why, why are insects like that? I don't know that one there, corn cornbread. You're stumping me there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I just thought I, that today. You know, you pick a tick off of you, and you know he's he's got to feel the pressure of your fingers mashing on him when you're yeah, pulling him off. And you know, they're 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 all these things are thinking that we're animals, just the same as all the uh, any of the other animals out there, and they right. want to get a blood meal and and reproduce and do their thing. So. So I think we're just another animal in their environment. Right. And um, they've been feeding on animals for eons, and they just want to get their 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 resources to do their uh, reproductive cycle and, and, and reproduce it, their I mean, uh, is, it a, is it a possibility they don't even comprehend prey and predator? Um, I don't know. They're not used to animals getting them, you know, so – so, right. um, you know, a lot of them aren't gonna aren't gonna really, really perceive that. Right. I don't think they're that smart. Okay. In some ways, you know? Okay. They're just trying to get. They smell a horse, and they they smell carbon dioxide. That mosquito does, and she wants to see that the final cues. If you're the kind of animal that she bites. Right. Um, a lot a lot of these black flies and mosquitoes, they have preferred hosts that they feed on. Some some mosquitoes feed on birds. Some feed on on uh, big animals. Some feed on people. So so each of these things they've just adapted through the eons to uh, these preferred hosts. Okay, and that comes into play with a lot of this stuff. With the stinging, you know, that's more them defending their 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 uh, brood or their food source. And if if you don't mess, you know, if you're not around that yellow jacket nest, yellow jackets aren't usually that bad unless you press up against them. Same right. with the honeybees in your yard, you know. You can have a hive of honeybees and walk all around it as long as you don't, you know, kick it right. or anything. They, right. don't, they don't pay any attention to you. Right. But, you know, when you when, when your granddaughter walks on that one in the yard and steps on it on a clover patch, that thing's going to sting you just out of reflex. Right. So, so um, a lot of it's just reaction in their natural um, activities. Okay, so... So is it true that when a bee stings you, it dies? Uh, honeybees have a barbed stinger, and they can only sting once. 
Yellow jackets and hornets have a slick stinger, and they can sting multiple times. So, so honeybees, yes, honeybees. Mm -hmm. So, so they're not going to sting if they don't have to. Right. Yeah, because you know, they don't want to die. Right. 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 Interest. They're only going to sting if they have to. If they're protecting, if it's on, and they got to protect their 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 brood or hive, then it's on. But but if if not, they're not going to do it. It's just like uh, I was reading an article today about rattlesnakes, and you know they won't. They don't. Oh, they don't want to bite us if they don't have to. That's why, like a rattlesnake rattles, because they'd rather save their venom to put in a rat rather than have to bite some big dude and right. waste yeah. their venom. Coney did a project with the DNR. Uh, they was looking for a spotted skunk. Yep. Uh, up in our area, and uh, one of them was telling him that there's some studies in South Georgia because of the hogs eating all the snakes. That they believe some of the rattlesnakes are stopping their rattling. Yeah, they're like have becoming you heard silent. Have you heard anything on that? I have not, but yeah. the hogs are the hogs are real pests. That's for right. sure. Yeah, um, I know. I got a, just a couple more real quick ones. So the ticks you got: Lone Star, Dog Tick, Black Legged Tick. I hear so much, and I've got all these little tiny ticks that are called seed ticks. Are those? actually a type of tick or is that for lack of better explanation a baby tick that's the that's the larval instar of a tick that's exactly what it, so oftentimes um you'll get into them in the fall maybe your bow hunt and um it's where uh, egg mass a tick a female tick will lay 100 200 eggs and when those eggs hatch there's a bunch of those little ones there you get a bunch of those seed ticks on you and that's just the early, the, the larval stage of a tick. And that could be any one of uh, those those ticks that you mentioned. The uh, the deer tick, the black-legged tick, is a smaller tick. Okay. So they're going to be really tiny. Okay. And we don't see those near as much. That Lone Star tick is what I see the most of. Right, right. And it's it's very identable. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're very, very distinctive in their look. Right. And um, are real common and. And they leave a, quite a welt when they right. bite, even if they've only been attached for a couple hours. It itches. You can't help but scratch it, and, and it's just bad. Stuff. Well, I, I think I think about everything we talked about. It's it's pretty prevalent when you get bit by one of these, all the way down to we didn't discuss fire ants, but even a fire ant. But I think the one maybe that people don't know when they get bit the most by is a spider. Do, do you feel the same way about that? You. Yeah, the, the spider thing probably gets overplayed a little bit. Really? Um, that brown recluse spider, they did a survey. Good people did a survey trying to find them, and they are extremely rare in Georgia. What happens, though, is if you get a break in your skin, you've, you told two stories about tick bites that got real infected and caused a lot of trouble. Right. And that's what happens, you know. So a lot of things that get, get blamed for being tick bites – or breaks in the skin, or spider bites, I should say, right. can oftentimes be, 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 you know, sometimes of abrasions that get infected. Right. Yeah, so, like so, the, so the spiders aren't as bad as people say they are. Now, now, not to say that, you know, the brown recluse will make a horrible wound. It's, ne it's a necrotic um, situation where it breaks down the cells, and they can be just disgusting and, and take forever to heal up. So, so they can be bad, but they've got documentation where people out in Kansas are living in a house with like 
a thousand brown recluse spiders and they never get bit. Right. So how could that be? They're they're right. they're, 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 they're recluse because they don't want to they don't want to mess. That's not you know we're a big animal just like we were just talking. We're a big animal that they don't want to mess with if they don't have to. Right. Now the black widow is much more common here in Georgia. Right. I have a rock beds around my house here in Athens, and there's a lot of black widow spiders out there. They'll be in, you know, you know, if you have a water, if you got city water and you've got that box out by the yeah, street, your water meter, yeah, your water meter, right? They'll be in there. Um, you know, that's a that's a common place for them to be. Uh, just places that aren't disturbed. They have a kind of a cottony web, and um, they're they're not real aggressive either. Uh, but but there's a lot more of those, and that's why you know wearing work gloves, wearing wearing coveralls to work in, keeping stuff off your skin. There's a lot of, you know, I, I'd rather sweat than get bit by bugs. Right. So, Absolutely. Um, I, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, drink lots of water, wear your coveralls, and um, you're less likely to have a lot of these problems we've talked about. Right. I got one more question, Elmer, and this may not be in your wheelhouse. If it ain't, just tell me. I remember when I was a kid, my mama had a bunch of yard cats, you know, to keep the, the mice out of the, from around the smokehouse and out of the barn. And them things would get what they called wolves. And I've seen those in squirrels, too. Now, I know they're a parasite. Is that something you've had any dealing with? Yeah, because I'm a squirrel. I used to be a squirrel right. hunter. And there and, is nothing more disgusting than killing a squirrel with a warble in it and that's a fly larvae that that um the fly if there's a the squirrel has a wound and it could be like a flea bite that they're scratching right the fly lays its egg there and that larvae develops inside and they will drop out you know two people talk about you know not not squirrel hunting until the first frost yeah is the so meat tainted and it doesn't hurt to feed the, the meat or anything, but it's just right. disgusting. Right. You kill a squirrel with one of those things in it, you don't want to eat that squirrel. Absolutely. And they get rabbits, you know. Yeah, yeah. They get on. So so that's a fly larvae. And it's, um, you know, the flies are laying their eggs on some kind of wound, like a flea bite that a cat scratches. Um, and, and, and they'll get them. Yeah. So that's that's a real thing. Real, it's pretty common, real common, actually. Right. You know, it's it's not uncommon to see squirrels because the squirrels will get them and they'll scratch them and they'll be bald and all, you know, just looking rough. Yeah. Look, but, but running around like there's nothing wrong with them. Right. But looking horrible, like they got this big bump on the side of their head, and, and, you know. Right. It's 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 a, it's a rough, uh, pretty nasty looking now, event. Now, natural pest control, so to so to speak. You know, possums, they eat a bunch of ticks, right? Um, you know, Guinea hens eat a lot of ticks. Guinea hens. Guinea hens, yeah. Okay. They supposedly are very good at right. ticks, but they'll, the, but they'll sit, roost on the top of your house and wake you up early in the morning. Right. And so, so your wife may not like them. Right. Every once in a while, you open your door to your house and you'll have that big, huge thing that comes in looks like a mosquito. And your wife's pitching a fit, and you need. Oh, that's the biggest mosquito in the world! Kill it! Kill it! Does that is that not a mosquito killer itself? No, that that's okay. what they're what those are called, and people may call them mosquito killers. I think I've heard that. That's a crane fly. The larvae will be in streams and in water. There's it's an aquatic. The larvae are aquatic. They're in the water. 
but they're really attracted to light. So that's why they're always outside our doors and they come in. Um, but they are no, they are no trouble whatsoever. You just vacuum them up or whatever. Keep the lights off as much as you can. Less stuff's going to be drawn right. outside the door. But that's a crane fly. Crane fly. Is. And they're, they're real common as well. Well, Elmer, I think you have covered from A to Z. And I, I really appreciate you being on here. You did a really good job. You you bunked some myths. I learned a lot of stuff I didn't know. Yeah. Are you are you scared of yellow jackets anymore, Cooney? I think I'm scared of these cicada killers now. <laughs> I think I'm gonna be on the watch for them things. You you don't want to be burrowed into the ground? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh we we really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything? I mean, I know you you want the public to know about the mosquitoes. Is there anything else you I mean you feel you want to add? Uh, to? I just I want people to know that um, the Georgia Cooperative Extension Service is out there. Most every county has an extension office, and if you've got problems and questions, stuff you don't understand, um, there's a lot of lot of great information available through the University of Georgia Cooperative Extension Service. And I'd appreciate it if people um, check them out. Okay, we'll put a we'll put a link to them in uh, in our show notes from the podcast. Uh, can it was you, a real pleasure. It's nice talking to you guys, and um, sounds like we got a lot of common interests. And, yes, sir. Uh, we show the very best. Okay, when uh, when we get this uploaded, I'll email it to you. Please do. All righty, Elmer. You have a good day. All right, you, you guys take care. It's All nice right, talking see. with you. All right, bye bye. Alrighty, Cooney. Well, I guess that's gonna wrap us up. Guess so. What do you think? That was a that was a good. That's interesting. Very interesting. I didn't know all that stuff. Makes you look at ticks different. And I didn't know that only the female mosquitoes fed on the bloods. Right. And uh, I really enjoyed Mr. Elmer. We're gonna put the uh, the link to get in touch with the Georgia Cooperative Extension over there at UGA. Go dogs. Y'all don't get bit by no ticks. If you do, take your shower, wash him off. It will get infected. I've lived that, and it was pretty rough. And I've probably been bit by hundreds of ticks in my lifetime. Oh, I've been bit by a good many, too. Yeah, and uh, I guess we're going to holler at y'all later. Freaking so. Deuces. <laughs>